Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Welcome to Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring Person Noob. Hello! Yeah, that's my little 11-year-old star, daughter, and co-host. Episode 152, welcome to it. This is our World Match Mini Previews podcast. We're going to look at 10 of the most important matches anywhere on the planet. As we define that, we are going to go to soccer leagues and tournaments, big and not as well-known, but they are all going to be high-stakes matches where they are being played. And that allows us to do a mix of matches you won't get with any other podcast. And don't worry, a lot of them, per our name, are going to be from right here in the United States, but we'll get a lot of frequent flyer miles in as well. So pack a bag. Uh, this week, our matches will cover Friday through Thursday, September 8th through 14th, plus my daughter, Dears, will have her own special segment for animals once again. Uh, we'll find out if her sponsorship that she uh, uh, procured last week is still in play. I think it is. Wow. And plus, we'll have lots of the same culture, geography, and fun that we always do. And it all starts right now with... March number one! No Friday matches for our soccer week were quite bright or shiny enough to get our attention, at least in terms of making the final ten. And so we start Saturday with our feature match for Major League Soccer. The conference winners, by the way, for new burgeoning fans from the East and West will each make uh, the big international club tournament, the CONCACAF Champions Cup next year, plus the two best league non-champions. These are not the only teams from America or MLS that will get to go, but this is how you get in from the regular season. The top nine teams, by the way, from each conference will also make the domestic playoffs. They're about three quarters of the way through the season. And your matchup. In something of a rarity, this is not a uh, top two matchup or close to that. We're going to go the other direction since we're heading into the last long stretch of the season. A look at teams on the playoff lines in their respective conferences. Number nine in the East, D.C. United. Yeah, second week in a row. Versus number eight in the West, San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, a look at their tables briefly. D.C. United, they lead number 10, Colorado Rapids, by just one little point. San Jose Earthquakes, they lead lead number nine, Dallas, the burn by two points. Series between these two has been very even, 5-3-5 and five the last few seasons. You can catch this particular edition, 7.30 in the evening, Eastern Time U.S. on Apple TV with MLS Pass. As is our tradition, home team first, D.C. United managed by one of the all-time greats, Wayne Rooney in world soccer in his English Premier League day is now making his living over here. 2019 was the last playoff appearance that this team made and they went out in the first round. Now, they do have quite a bit of history on their side. They have won four Major League Soccer Cup titles. That is the playoff for overall champions. But the last time, 19 years ago. They've also won the U.S. Open Cup. That is our FA Cup. But the last time was a decade ago, 2013. And one CONCACAF Champions Cup title, not even this century, 1998. Their halcyon days are behind them for the moment. Could they sneak into the playoffs and try to rekindle that time? We'll tell. Last year, definitely not a year they made a move towards that. They finished in last place in the Eastern Conference. This year, the defense isn't much improved. Uh, they're still in the uh, 
They're barely in the top 10 in their conference in that regard. Uh, but their offense is a little bit more average. You're getting a little bit more than one and a half goals per. Good for the number eight overall goal differential, which I find to be a key metric. I think that they are going to sneak into the playoffs. One of the guys that gets the credit for help keeping them, uh, helping keep them afloat the first half of the season was Lewis O'Brien. I believe their best player from England, central midfielder, but he just went back to Nottingham Forest from loan, I believe, in late July. Their next best player, I can't wait for this one based on how last week went, Donovan Pines, their center back on the defensive end, one of the few true stalwarts they have. Uh, three goals on the season. He gets up into some wingback action, 74% tackler. He stops the other team's counters. Loads of clearances, a couple of uh, U.S. men's national team appearances even in 2021. But apparently that doesn't pay all the bills. As we learned last week, a person who said she uh, acquired a quote-unquote sponsor, even though apparently no money has changed hands, at least that I've known about. And uh, Donovan Pines is now uh, working on uh, working with some folks on a podcast in the off-season. Let's listen to the trailer for the second episode that we have procured. Today's episode brought to you by the new podcast, Infractable Pines. Follow Donovan Pines off the pitch as he delves into the seedy underbelly of black market Canadian maple syrup. On the most recent episode, he'll travel to the methadone clinics of Ottawa, where he'll talk to those whose lives have been most impacted. He'll meet Gerard, a Quebecois man who began smuggling black market Canadian maple syrup across the border at the young age of 11. Donovan will follow the trail to find out just where the sweetness ends. That actually sounds like it would be a listenable show. At the very least, it would be content, and we know all about that. All right, continuing our preview of the match in D.C. United, tied for uh, second best in big chances missed is Christian Benteke. Uh, he's a Belgian center forward who is an all-star this year. Ten goals and three assists basically the first half of the season. We uh, kind of, I don't want to say poked fun, but we pointed this out last week. And while he is still a league leader in stuff that got, you know, at chances missed, after 12 scoreless matches, he got two goals in the game that we previewed last week and an assist against Chicago. So, yeah, we'll take credit. Maybe he heard about it. Maybe not. He was just overdue. Number one in possessions one in the offensive or final third at 1.7 per 90 minutes. Yamil Assad, Argentinian midfielder. Uh, he plays anywhere from 45 to about 80 minutes everywhere, uh, every other match. So uh, maybe a super sub kind of player, certainly worth watching. And then their goalkeeper, Tyler Miller. Here's another weak link for them. He had been amongst the worst for goals conceded at uh, well over one and a half per match, but uh, he got injured on September 1, so we'll see if his backup can do any better. Team's current form, well, that 4-0 win over Chicago snapped a four-match losing streak. And now San Jose, the Quakes, uh, they've got an NWSL team coming next year. I had not realized that until doing my research this week. So congratulations to the league and to San Jose. They are known as the Goonies, and this was a moniker that was adopted many years ago after a play uh, player uh, shouted, Goonies never die, following their team's three late goals in a 2-3 regular season win. Hard to go wrong with that movie. Can't make too much fun of that. 
They've won the league title twice, but just like uh, D.C. United, it's been a minute, 20 years, in fact, by a minute is what I mean. They've won the Supporter Shield or had the best regular season overall record twice, most recently 2012. Internationally, in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, three times they have made the quarterfinals, including 2013 and the decade ago. Yeah, that was their most recent appearance. They're sort of the opposite of D.C. United. Their, def- or their offense rather well uh, below average. You're not even getting one and a quarter goals per match. Their defense is a bit closer to average, though. Good for the overall number 10 goal differential. I, I like defense. It travels well. It may serve them well this game. They could get a result, but I'll tell you what, that number 10 goal differential tells me this is not a team that's probably going to generate enough offense unless they get a very late season move or push uh, to get into or remain in, I should say, a playoff position. Those disagree, uh, daring to disagree with me, key players for them. Uh, Second best in blocks per 90 minutes is their starter, Tanner Beeson. And then the goalkeeping end of things. Uh, second best in saves per 90 is for the singularly named Daniel from Brazil. Now, uh, saves made per 90 minutes can be a little bit misleading. It just might be that the uh, defense in front of him is very porous, and he is both saving and missing a lot of them. But it turns out he's nearly in the top five in save percentage as well. I think their most valuable player on the season has probably been their right winger from Argentina, Christian Espinoza. A dozen goals, five assists. He doesn't shoot a ton for a guy with so many, but he's very accurate. That's what they count on him for. He is not a guy you can expect to, uh, hopefully for their sake, be bringing it up the side, trying to generate the offense because he's not a very successful dribbler. Team's current form, 0-1-2 in their last three. They just got a 1-1 draw versus number 8, Minnesota United. Match number B. Number two. Ugh. Bathroom talk. Despicable. Join polite society and try out number B for yourself. Listen to it in action right now. See what you think. Match number B keeps us here in the United States. We go down the pyramid to the third tier where one of the leagues is the USL League One, in which the top six teams in the league, no conferences here, they will make the playoffs. The top two teams will get buys into the semifinals. Three quarters of the way through the season is about how far they are, just the same as Major League Soccer. You can catch this match at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on ESPN Plus. The Plocho. Yeah, dodgeball fans will know. Number six, forward Madison versus number seven, one, Knoxville. Yeah, two matches in a row where we're not looking at two teams at the top. We're looking at those who are trying to sneak into the playoffs, see what they can do here late in the year. Forward Madison currently lead Knoxville by two points in the table. The two times they've played earlier this season, this will be the third and final time. Madison only managed to draw the first time they hosted. Knoxville got a 2-1 win when it was at their place. Madison, they are the Flamingos. So appropriate. Wisconsin. That's a really fun marketing thing. They have been having their way with it on social media for a very long time to their success. A very young club, as are a lot of the teams at this level. Founded in 2018, they are the first, I believe, U.S. club ever to have a supporters group that is specifically uh, detailed for uh, people who have differences, disabilities, things of that nature, called the Accessamingos. Yeah, they're riding or die with the Flamingos. Person who and I feel very similarly. Accessamingos, A+. Flamingos, oh, the jury is still out. A lovely but a filthy bird. They pee on themselves. I'm not sure that we can carry any water for them. Pun intended.
Their first year was their best year. They finished in fourth place in the 2019 season. Last year, merely finishing in ninth, missing the playoffs. Uh, this year, uh, they are who they are, as the saying goes. Pretty average on offense and defense. They've got tied for the sixth best goal differential. I expect this team to be right on the playoff line, even at the very end of the year. I wouldn't put any money one way or the other right now and whether or not they get in, independent of how this match goes for them at home. Key players to look for. Third best in accurate long ball. So they're fun to watch in that in that particular regard. Getting almost one and a half down per match. Uh, that is Timmy Mel, a defender for them. Longest career stint. He was with the second division USL championship, uh, uh, championship but one of their weaker teams, Loudoun United, who I believe are affiliated with DC United. Number one in big chances missed with 15, Christian Chaney. He needs to get it together and lead this team into the playoffs. Uh, now, now uh, credit where it's due. The guy does actually have 10 goals, so he is in the top five in scoring. But it sounds like he should be even higher, potentially. Tie for number one clean sheets on the other end of the field with nine is their netminder from the Philippines, Burned. B-E-R-N-D, Shipman. Spent most of his career in Germany. Most recently played for a team in Thailand. I love those guys who are global journeymen. Team's current form, not so good. 0-1-3 in their last four, and they have conceded 13 goals. Shipman must have Thailand on his mind. All right, Knoxville, even newer club, founded last year. And uh, last year, they won League 2 uh, their division anyway, and then made the conference playoff finals nationally. Yes, that is a tier four league. They are very good on defense, uh, giving up not quite one and a quarter goals per match, but they tend to play small ball, as is often the case for a lot of these newer teams. They try to get a lot of draws, not play much offense. They are second to worst in that regard. Their uh, goal differential is just low enough. I do not anticipate this team making the playoffs, and I think they will have a hard time getting a road result with that kind of leaky defense. Number B in interceptions per 90 with over two and a quarter per match is Gabriel Claudio. Number one in clearances per 90. Yeah, we've got the defensive theme going. And he's number one in this regard by a lot in five and a half is Jordan Skelton, who's come over from England. And then the number one save percentage in the league, despite that defense being leaky, just imagine how many shots he must be facing for them to have that bad of defense since he's so good at saves. That's Sean Lewis. Interestingly, uh, two of their players are tied for first place, and one of their players is in part of a tie for second place in yellow cards accrued. So this is a very, very physical team, and they don't disguise it well. They've also got the only guy in the league who's ever been ejected twice on the season, uh, a couple of red cards. Match number three. More Saturday action, but this time we're actually going to accrue some frequent flyer miles. We're headed to Lithuania for the semifinals of their FA Cup tournament. For those who aren't familiar, this is not a league. The FA Cup is uh, typically a bracketed knockout tournament. It is in the calendar, played alongside the league, and it might have its own uh, berths into international play and involve teams not just from the top league, but some or even many levels down all the way to amateur ranks. This, in fact, for Lithuania is the first year that it has been open to all certified clubs instead of just the top four tiers. And because of that, uh, four tier five or amateur teams in Lithuania participated. So that's lots of fun. The winner, by the way, does get an international berth, uh, not Champions League and not the secondary Europa League. It is for the tertiary Europa Conference League. 
But I'll tell you what, home team for this particular one, Transinvest Vilnius, taking on Jugas Chelsei. Uh, either one would take it, but in particular, uh, Transinvest, because the reason that we've chosen this particular one amongst a variety of FA Cup matches from around the world is because they are a second division team. The winner, by the way, will face one of two different top flight teams, uh, either FA Chialii uh, or Kanu Zalgirish in the final. All right, uh, Transinvest Vilnius. We'll talk about them first. They won the draw and get to host. Uh, Vilnius, by the way, is the capital of the country. The club was founded in 2022, I believe, and therefore this would appear to be their very first season. Uh, it's possible that they played the year before in an even lower division. I am not entirely certain. Uh, they advanced to the semifinal, by the way, over a different top flight team, uh, number eight, Banga, two to one. Yeah, they got to play at home in that one as well. Pretty fortunate on the draws. They are two-thirds of the way through the Liga 1 season, which is the second division in Lithuania, and they are number one by a whopping 14 points over uh, Babrungas. So they may be Division 2 right now, but they will be Division 1 next year, make no mistake, short of an absolute historic collapse. They've got the number one offense in league play by Miles, getting almost three per match, and the number one defense well under a goal per match is all they're conceding. Number one goal differential at that level by better than a factor of three and a third. Team's current form, well, they lost two matches ago, and that snapped an 18-2-0 streak. Uh, they bounced back by beating uh, the reserve team for Shialii, uh, the team they could face in the final, 10 to nothing. <laughs> Whoops. And now uh, Jugas Telshiai. Telshiai is a lake town in kind of the north-northeast part of the country. Only about 21,000 people there. Uh, Jugas, that part of their name, D-Z-I-U-G-A-S, Latin alphabet, is the name of a legendary knight who about 800 years ago is said to have founded the city. The city is one of the country's oldest. So what a cool tale to have. This is the third iteration of... at, uh, uh, Jugas Telshiai FC being the full name. Third iteration of this club that was first founded in 1922. The newest edition, the current one, was founded in 2014 after they were dissolved, presumably for financial reasons, in the mid-1990s. Currently, they sit in just ninth place in the A-Liga, which is the top flight league in Lithuania, uh, just a little bit below average on both offense and defense. This is not a team that I think is going to be overwhelming Transinvest Vilnius. It should be a very good matchup since the slight favorite from the top flight is going to be on the road. This team has only won the league title ever once, by the way, and that was just a couple of years ago, 2019. So they've got recent success to their credit. Team's current form, though, they have lost three straight with a two and eight goal differential. Will we be visiting this uh, tournament again next week? Will it be Transinvest Vilnius in the final? Match number four. We flip the calendar page to Sunday and we head back to the U.S. for another third tier league matchup for the NISA National Independent Soccer Association. Uh, they have nine clubs in it. This year, the top six will get to go to their playoffs. The top two will get buys into the semifinals. This is an interesting league uh, because of the uh, 
uh, disparateness in geography. The teams pl- don't play the same number of games. So you, uh, the table is established by points per game earned. Yeah, basically there's a bunch of teams in the east and only one or two west, and they are well west of the Mississippi River. They're about two-thirds of the way this, through the season there. Your matchup, this is another playoff line match. Number six, Club de Lyon. Yeah, L-Y-O-N is in France. They have a French owner. Versus number seven, Flower City Union. Currently, Club de Leon lead City Union by two points in the table, and they have a pair of matches in hand. So uh, Flower City really, really need to get a result in this one because those two matches in hand are a really big deal. And the, by the way, there's also very little chance that the final playoff spot will come down to anybody else but these two. There's a fair bit of a gap between uh, number five and number eight compared to these two in between. They've already played twice this year. Uh, Club de Leon got a 2-4 road win. And then uh, Flower City the other time, yeah, they've gotten to host the first two. They only managed a 1-1 draw the other time. All right, Club de, uh, Club de Leon. They were founded in 2001, and we finally get to learn geography. For some reason, I assumed that they were going to be in the Northeast. It turns out they play in Orlando, or at least that's where they are officially headquartered. Uh, they actually are playing in Daytona this particular year. Uh, they won their division last year in Nisa Nation, which is a different league that is one tier further down the pyramid. Uh, this year, very average on offense and defense. Goal differential is only eighth best. If it weren't for the way the table was looking right now, I don't think that they would be a playoff team, and I don't like their chances to go anywhere on the road in the playoffs. Key player to look for, number four in league scoring with seven on the season is Ignacio Lopez out of Argentina, veteran 33-year-old striker. Team's current form, they're on a bit of a schneid, if you know the term, uh, 0-2-3 in their last five, although they're coming back up a little bit. Their last two matches were those two draws. And now Flower City Union. Last year, they finished in ninth place. Uh, this year, they've been splitting their games, interestingly, between Rochester, New York, and Syracuse because they merged with a team called Salt City Union based out of Syracuse from last year. And for some reason, the way I saw it, the way it's phrased, I think that that might even be a co-official name or what they're still going by in Syracuse. Take that with a grain, no pun intended, of salt. But again, the way I saw it phrased was particularly strange. They're just a little bit weaker on both offense and defense. Their goal differential is actually sixth best, though, interestingly. It's a quirky league in that regard. Some of that is because of that unbalanced schedule. Key players to look for. Uh, tied for fifth best in league scoring with a half dozen is Alio, uh, let me try that again, Senegalese name, uh, Alione Diakate. Yeah, he plays striker for them. And then tied for number three in league assists with five is Luke Ferreira. He spent the longest career, his longest career stint was with a Norwegian second division club called Jurv, which means Wolverine. So their actual club name is the mascot. Plus, I just love something about Jurv, that soft J. And it also reminds me, I really kind of hope it comes to pass. I know Daniel Radcliffe is going to be joining the MCU universe. I'm not a huge comic book movie guy, but a lot of fans have really been hoping that he ends up taking over the Hugh Jackman role, that that would be a lot of fun. 
Uh, teams current form 0-2-3 in their last five, same as their opponents, but they have lost three straight and scored nary a goal in their last four matches. I don't like their odds here. Match number five. Still on Sunday, and back to Europe we go, Northern style, once again for the European qualifiers. This tournament is in its group stage matches. These are national teams that are trying to get into the upcoming European championships. The teams there, 10 groups of either five or six playing a double round robin, and the top two will advance. Your matchup, the juiciest looking one to me, number one, Finland versus number B in their group, Denmark. That group is labeled letter H, neither here nor there, but in case you happen to look it up, and they are roughly halfway or just over halfway through the group stage. Finland currently lead Denmark by two points. The Danish, in turn, are tied with Slovenia. I believe they're ahead on some sort of tiebreaker, though. When the two played in Denmark earlier this event, it was the Danes winning 3-1. to one. And the series between them in recent years, uh, Denmark have had the advantage with a 2-0-1 record. A couple different ways you can catch this one. It'll be on at noon Eastern, by the way, on Fox Sports Two or VIX Streaming, if that is easier for you and you want a Spanish-language broadcast. Finland, they are known as the Uhus, which uh, I'm not sure which language that translates to, because in Finnish, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Hukayat, or Hukayats, the plural, and it means the eagle owls. It is hyphenated in English, and that is a real animal. It's not some sort of uh, weird, fantastical hybrid. They are ranked number 28 in Europe and number 56 worldwide in the FIFA rankings. High if they's, highest they've ever been rated by FIFA was number 33. That was in 2007. They have never qualified for the World Cup group stage internationally. 2020, they got to play in their very first European Championships, got to the group stage, but no farther. More recently, just this last year in the European Nations League, they finished in second place in their League B group. So uh, the European Nations were divided into four different separate leagues within the Nations League, and they were in the second highest one. All you need to know for that. Here in this particular event in group play, they've got tied for the number one offense, getting over two goals per match, and they've only conceded three. That is also best. Number one goal differential, they are definitely your favorites. On the scoring leaderboard for the event with three is Oliver Ant-Man, not the superhero. Although maybe Paul Rudd could play him, I, I don't know. Uh, forward 22 years old is all. He is currently with a Danish club called Norjeland. Uh on contract, but he's actually on loan with a Dutch second division club that is a bit of a yo-yo club between there and the first division called Groningen. Uh, he is tied in scoring with Daniel Hawkins, who is a winger, another youngster, just 22 years old, plays for home club Valerenga. And we've got some USA references here. Their most capped active player and their vice captain, his name is Timo Puki, forward, 33 years old. He's with Minnesota United right now. He just spent five years with Norwich City over in the Premier League and Championship in England. Also, they have Robert Taylor on their active roster, who is a wingback and midfielder with Inter Miami, and Yere Uranen, who plays fullback for Charlotte FC of Major League Soccer. Team's current form, they have won four straight matches. They were all in this event, and a very impressive 10 versus nil goal differential. They are in the finest of form.
And now looking to upset them, Denmark, number 11 ranked in UEFA. So they should be the team that's doing better, but they are not right now. They're ranked just within the top 20 within FIFA. They were as high as number three, but you've got to go back to 1997 for when they were that well regarded. They won this event in 1992, not just meaning the qualifiers, but I mean the actual uh, Euros. Uh, 2020, the last iteration, they finished number three, and that was their best finish in recent years. 1998, they made the quarterfinals, and that is their best World Cup finish. 2022, more recently, they made the group stage. Here in group play, they are the team that is also tied for number one on offense with a little bit over two goals per match and defense. They've got the second best goal differential. Tied for number one in event scoring is Rasmus Hoyland. He's got a half a dozen. He is a forward with Manchester uh, United, just 20 years old. Oh, what a bright future for this guy. He's only made one league appearance on the year so far. Last year, he played for Atalanta. Uh, he's got a couple of twin younger brothers as well, so these guys might be dominating the football world for uh, quite a while. They are still, as they are younger, playing for a Danish side, Copenhagen. This is a team that if you look at their roster, uh, unlike the Norwegian side, which has a lot of Norwegian uh, nationals, this team has all of their regulars scattered with top six clubs except for two of them. On paper, they should be dominating, but they haven't been. Although they've been good. Uh, they are captained by Simon Kier. He is a center back with AC Milan or Milan over in Italy, 34-year-old veteran. Team's current form 2-1-0 in this event with a 6-1 goal differential. Although that you've got to take into account that uh, one of the uh, teams in this group is the microstate of San Marino, and they got a 4-0 win over them. The plaintive mewling means that, yes, it is time for us to take a break and do a recap of last week's matches. They also want to know who won the betting between my daughter and I to see who's going to have to clean out their litter box. Match number one was a Friday match from Sweden's uh, Damosvenskan Liga. The women's top flight, number B, Linko Pings, took on number one, BK Hocken. They played to a nil-nil draw. Neither my daughter or I predicted a draw, so no points there and no change in the table for these two. The other game, the other match we gambled on, so to speak, match number B, was our feature Major League Soccer match between the East's number 10 DC United and number 9 in the East Chicago Fire. They played to a 4-0 win. My daughter predicted a draw. I predicted that it was Chicago Fire that were going to win, so there was no draw there. We'll still just continue the thumb wrestle, I guess, to see who's got to clean up the litter box. Uh, Christian Benteki, uh, who we said had been struggling for a dozen straight matches, came back with a passion, two goals and an assist, and these two switched positions in the table. Match number three from League One Ontario's playoff final. Number one, Scrossuppy took on number uh, B, Simcoe County Rovers, and it was the visitors. The Rovers getting a 2-4 win in the shootout. Sunday, match number four, back to Northern Europe. We went Finland's Vikosliga, top flight for the men. Number one, HJK versus number B, KUPS. They played to a 2-2 draw. For HJK, Boyan Radulovic had both a goal and an assist. Match number five from Estonia's Maestro Liga. Number one, Flora Talon took on number one, FCI. Lavadia, the classic powerhouse matchup from this league. They as well played to a 2-2 draw. Monday, match number six from the AFCON qualifier. Group stage number B, Mauritania took on number three, uh, Gabon. That result, I don't know if it got postponed or if I had some misinformation, but it is now listed as a September 9th match. 
Wednesday, match number seven from the UEFA Women's Champions League first qualifying round. Uh, FK uh, Ginta from Lithuania took on Cardiff City out of Wales, and it was Ginta getting a 2-0 win. They will move on to the first qualifying round final. Match number eight from USL's League One. Number B Union Omaha took on number one North Carolina FC for the top spot, and Omaha came away with a 4-3 win. No defense to be found there. Match number nine, a Thursday match from CONCACAF Nations League. Number 40, U.S. Virgin Islands took on number 36 ranked Cayman Islands. They played to a 2-2 draw as well. Cayman Islands got a goal by Jonah Ebanks, not Mark Ebanks, which is who we said to look for. Turns out they actually have three different Ebanks on the team. I got to assume that they're related. The third guy is named Trey. Uh, match number 10 for the European qualifiers uh, group stage. Number B in their group, Subria, took on number one Hungary, trying to make it to the, the Euros proper, and Hungary came away with a 1-2 road win. And now your bonus matches from last week with explanations coming later. You're out of the week. It's a Saturday match from Paraguay. Number one, Libertad took on last place. Number 12, Lucano. And it was Libertad. No surprise, getting a 2-0 win. Oscar Cardoza winning their stars at a goal. The most meaningless match of the world was a Sunday face-off from the Solomon Islands. S-League, number six, Marist Fire versus number seven, Laugu United. They appropriately played to a 1-1 draw. It did actually knock Laugu down to number eight. And then finally, your match of Disappointed from the Belarusian Premier League. Number 14, second to last place, Shakhtyor Soligarsk versus number 15, Energetik BGU, the university team. And it was uh, Soligarsk getting a 3-2 shootout win. No change in the table there. They are still just as disappointing as they were before. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Our last weekend match brings us back to our side of the Atlantic, but not to America. This time, Central America, to the nation of El Salvador, where their top flight is called the Primera División. They are in their Apertura stage, which a lot of the uh, Latin American clubs divide their soccer year into two separate stages, opening and closing, Apertura y Clausura. This is the third-ranked league, by the way, in CONCACAF. Now, admittedly, there's a, a bit of a distance between them in the coefficients and uh, the U.S. and Mexico, but they are the best of the rest, having recently passed Costa Rica. The top three teams from uh, this stage will be going to next year's Central American Cup, which is the feeder to the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And the stage is just beginning. Your matchup, number one, Once Deportivo, yeah, 11 sports, basically, versus number three, Alianza FC. Right now, Once, they lead CD Aguila and Alianza by three points in the table, and they have a match on the team they're playing today. The series between these two, though, Alianza, it's been mostly them. They are the dominant power in this country, or one of them. 13-5-1 is their record the last, oh, I don't know, five, maybe six years. But because it's early in the season and we're certain to revisit El Salvador later on, this is a great time for us to take a break from the soccer and use footy as an excuse to learn something else about the world and El Salvador. So this is the time when my daughter, Dearest, will take over for her segment. Aminos, aminos, aminos from around the world. Oh, yeah. We'll never say aminals right, will we? No. Or are we saying it right? Yes. Bong. Exactly. So what is the animal from this country that you have chosen? The Holy Mountain Salamander. Wow, that is a cool name. 
Did you find anything about why it's specifically called the Holy Mountain Salamander? No. Neither did I. We both did our research and couldn't come up with anything. I mean, the mountain part's pretty easy. We'll get into that. The Holy, I'm not sure. So what is the what is the Latin name for this thing or the scientific name? I wanted to challenge you because I saw it in our notes. Bolitoglossa hair hairoiras. <laughs> I know we tried it before. Uh, yeah, I think you got the first part. Well, hyroiris is how Hyro-iris. I would. Think. Yeah, it's got the eyes and the e's all in the wrong place. It breaks the rule about i before e two different times. I, except after c. But in this case, except in we in this. Yeah, Hyro Iris has EI twice and it no C in it. It's got the E's and the I's in the wrong word. H-E-I, that's not after C, and there's um, O-E-I. Well, we we can't do this animal link, can we? Just we can. Oh, okay, we still can. All right, uh, so uh, where outside of, where do we find this outside of El Salvador? Honduras. Anywhere else? Maybe Guatemala. All right. I found in my notes that there is at least a salamander in Venezuela that is very, very closely related called the uh, Guarmacal salamander, but I don't think it's quite the same. So it's got a very limited geographic range. Guacamole. Guacamole. No, guacamole salamander. It sounds like guacamole. Now, the the reigning question every week is, can I eat it? If there were such a thing as a guacamole salamander... Could I eat it, or would that be dependent upon whether or not it was endangered, or can I just not eat any animals? No. No. No, no animals ever. No endangered animals. No endangered ones. What if, what if the guacamole salamander were not endangered at all, or even close? Then maybe. All right, it would be open for discussion. All right, what do these little cuties look like? They are dark gray, dull brown, and black. And they're the average size for a salamander. Ooh, so not the most exciting ones to look at anyway. Anything else you can tell me about what they look like? Uh, the females tend to be a bit like thicker or like bigger. Oh, the gals. They're are they are they thick with two C's? I don't even know what that means. Do you have any idea? What I think that I think the hip kids like to spell thick with two C's sometimes, but that I don't, is grammatically incorrect. I don't think I know what it means. Okay, so could, so if we had one, could we name it Lizzo if it was a girl? Maybe. Could we name it Lizzo if it was a boy? No. No. Well, we could, but perhaps we shouldn't. <laughs> All right. Well, since I'm not allowed to eat them, what are they allowed to eat, or what do they like to eat? Mostly bugs. Delicious bugs. Mm, that's pretty cool. I like bugs um, sometimes. No, no. You ever had a cricket or a grasshopper? Uh, I think I've had a grasshopper. I no. might have had a chocolate oh, no, grasshopper oh, no, once. Oh, no, oh, no, oh. I don't remember. Oh, 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 why am I forgetting what they're called? Uh, uh, I've had a something kind of bug I found in the backyard, I think. I don't know. <laughs> you just ate in the backyard, not a chocolate covered something Maybe. from a box. Okay, we need apparently I, I need had to a do chocolate it. frog once. I, I okay, that's fine. But apparently if you're just eating bugs in the backyard, I need to monitor I your think. activity a little I, bit more. It, it, it was like one. All like right, one. you're not gonna find these in our backyard, are you? Nope. Where are they? Humid mountains, pine forests, and pine forests. All right, so I am not allowed to eat them. Are there any animals that do like to eat them? Yes. Turtles, snakes, and birds. Do they have any kind of defense mechanism against those animals? Um, yes. They can lose their tails. Do they grow back? Um, I don't think so. 
No, I didn't. I didn't see it for sure in my notes, but I think with other animals, we've seen the loser tails. If they grow back, we have uh, seen that. But the predators, as I understand it, are not the biggest threat to these animals. It is the biggest threat. Habitat loss. And what is that for these animals in particular? Why is that happening? Clear cutting trees uh, from lower slopes for for coffee growing. Oh, okay. Because because coffee's more important than the holy mountain salamander, apparently. What do you think? I mean, you like some coffee now and then, don't you? Yeah. Even though you're just 11. I guess kids like coffee more and more these days. But, yeah, they're trying to more grow co- grow more coffee on the lower slopes, which is part of the habitat for these animals. So they're having to just live higher and higher up, and there are fewer and fewer of them. So an animal with a very cool name, even though, even though we don't know why, and we know that there is competition that we might have to make a decision someday, humanity collectively, between Holy Mountain Salamanders and slightly cheaper coffee. What do you think? Holy Mountain Salamander! That's right. Why not both? Because we can't. Because we have one, then we can't have the other, and if the other, we can't have one. So we cannot have both. That's too deep for me. But as a whole, I still enjoyed things. And this has been Aminos from, from Around the World. Croissants. Match number seven. Hoo-wee. That was a lot of tracking, so new bites, if I may affectionately refer to you as such. You get Monday off, but we are right back into it on Tuesday. Your match number seven comes from our region once again, CONCACAF, and a tournament called the Nations League for newer fans. This involves national teams, but our official national championship is called the Gold Cup. This is not that. This is a standalone tournament that involves all the teams from all over our region, North America, Central America, and Caribbean. It's not a feeder or qualifier for anything else. It's just a great chance uh, for all the teams to get a lot more competition and something a little more uh, higher stakes seeming than uh, merely friendlies. Now, like I briefly mentioned before with the European version of the Nations League, this is not just one tournament, so to speak. Nations League is all of our teams divided into three separate leagues, and they're divided more or less by ability, but teams have been moving uh, up and down based on how they've done in years past. The match that we're going to look at is from League B, the second best of the leagues, And the teams that are here have been divided into four groups of four. They are each playing a home and away double round robin within them. Each of the group's winners will move up to League A next year. And the uh, other teams will move down into League C. The matchup that we've decided to look at, it's somewhat arbitrary. We've decided to be a little bit U.S.-centric once again. Last week, we looked at the U.S. Virgin Islands in League C. This time, our League B matchup is number 26 rated in CONCACAF. Puerto Rico, and they are playing host to number 120, Antigua and Barbuda. Doesn't seem fair. They should get to outnumber them that way. This will be the second match for each one, but based on when we're doing the recording for this, we don't know what the le- what the first match results were. Either way, it should be a fun one. It's going to kick off, and this is precise, 7.06 p.m. Eastern Time in the U.S. Paramount Plus is the place. Puerto Rico, they are known as the Blue Hurricane. Love it. Uh, FIFA ranking is number 163. The highest they've ever been was just inside the top 100, but that was back in 1994. 
They will be hosting this at the Estadio Centro Americano in Mayaguez. Uh, that is the capital, or rather, no, not the capital, different abbreviation here. It has a capacity of a little bit over 12,000. The only active player on this team who has more than two goals for the national team is Ricardo Rivera, their homegrown forward. He has got 10 goals in 19 appearances. If Antigua and Barbuda can shut him down, they will probably have this. Uh, he plays for currently a team called CD Abunol, which nearly as I can tell is a Spanish club in the eighth tier. But... Uh, a more solid U.S. connection, if you will, he, or rather within the continental U.S. He played previously for Tier 3 Union Omaha out of the aforementioned League One. Yeah, we were there earlier. Most of the other players play for clubs in the United States contiguous 48, uh, but none are higher than Tier 3, and they've only got even one or two that high. Team score and form, uh, they are 1-0-1 in their last couple, and those were Gold Cup qualifiers. They didn't score a goal in regular time in either of those matches. Internationally, they have never qualified, by the way, for the World Cup or even the Gold Cup. In the last Nations League, which was a 2022-23 tournament, yeah, it ended earlier this year, they went 4 0 and 0 in their League C group and therefore got promoted. They dominated that level with the 17 against 2 goal differential. And now Antigua and Barbuda, they are known as the Bena Boys. And if you're wondering about the nickname, uh, one of the meanings is it is a type of calypso music, very call and response oriented. Uh, also going along with that music and kind of standalone unmusically, it sort of means uh, gossipy talk that might have some uh, sexual or adult undertones. We won't go any further into that PG show. Uh, FIFA ranked number 132 is this team, the highest they've ever been ranked worldwide. Number 70 and that was in 2014. They are captained by Quentin Griffith, who plays midfielder for them. He plays for a domestic club there called Five Islands, although 2013 through 18, he played for Charleston Battery in the USL Championship. you got to be pretty good to play in the second division. Uh, he's the only player on this roster with more than a single goal to his credit. He's got nine of them for his career internationally. Uh, on the active roster, there are four forwards. None of them have a goal notched to their belt. That's incredible. And one of the kids, and I mean kids, he's just 16 years old. Team's current form, well, the 2022-23 Nations League, they finished that with a pair of losses, just a 1-7 in seven goal differential, and both of those were home matches. Makes you wonder if they'll be able to get anything done on the road. As you would imagine, they've never qualified for the Gold Cup, or let alone the World Cup. Uh, in the Nations League, they went 3-0-3 overall, were very defensively oriented with just a 5-7 and seven goal differential over that half a dozen matches. Match number 8. Another Tuesday match, another national team tournament, but this time it really is a full-blown continental championship. We are headed to Africa for the AFCON group stage of the qualifiers. 48 teams are vying to get in. The top two from each of 12 groups of four will advance. We're playing double round robins, and this is the last match. And the group we're going to look at, there are actually only three teams playing in this one because the fourth one, Kenya, was disqualified before play began. Your match is Cameroon versus Burundi, and this is a great one because both can almost not advance. Let's look at the table. Namibia have five points, so they're in first place, but they've already played their last match. Cameroon and Burundi are in second and third place, with Cameroon having the tiebreaker, having 1-0-1 when they played earlier in the group stage. 
if they draw and the match is either 4-4 four, four or higher for their draw, which feels pretty unlikely, both of them would advance. Otherwise, that won't be the case. I don't think there will be any collusion. It would be way, way too obvious. So, Cameroon, all they need is a draw. 3 o'clock Eastern Time in the U.S., BN Sports in Espanol. If your satellite package runs deep enough, that's how you can watch this one. Cameroon, they are known as the Indomitable Lions. Now, uh, long-time listeners know I got a real problem with lions as a mascot. They're used everywhere, except if you're from Africa, because that's where the lions are endemic, and that makes it okay. They are FIFA ranked number 42. They are considered to be seventh best in Africa overall. Highest they've ever been worldwide. They nearly cracked the top 10 in 2009, got to 11th place. They'll be hosting this at Olembe Stadium in the capital city of Yaoundé. 60,000 capacity, and I'll bet they fill it up or pretty darn close. Eight different times they have qualified for the World Cup, and that is the most in African history. Only once have they ever gotten past the group stage, though. That was the quarterfinal finish in 1990. As far as this event proper goes, uh, they have been, or rather they have won it five different times, most recently 2017. Their second most recent title, though, was 2002. So it's not like they've been dominating the continent or anything. They are 1-1-1 one, one, and one here with a 3-3 three and three goal differential going in the group event. They are captained by Vincent Abubakar, who plays striker for Turkish club Besiktas. He spent the longest uh, span of his career with one of the big three over in Portugal, namely FC Porto. We've got a couple of USA connections. They've got a defender playing for Seattle Sounders named Nohu Tolo, and then another defender with the Union in Philadelphia, that is Olivier Embeso. Teams current form, they are 0-2-1 in this calendar year, 0-1-1 in their matches for this event. And that includes, uh, as, and then other than that, a 2-2 draw versus Mexico that got played uh, somewhere in California, I believe in San Diego. And now Burundi, they are ranked number 43 in Africa, number 145 by FIFA. So these have been your serious underdogs. If they can pull off a road win, that will be quite newsworthy. Uh, they are known as the Swallows. This is one of your weakest teams in Africa, and here they are competing. Love to see that parody. As you would imagine, they've never qualified for a World Cup. 2019 was the only ever uh, AFCON proper appearance that they made. They qualified for the group stage, didn't win any games while they were there. They are also 1-1-1, one, one, and one, of course, in this event, 4-4 four and four goal differential. They are captained by a guy who plays in the top flight in the nation of Cyprus for AEL uh, Limassol. That is Saido Barahino, spent the longest stretch of his career with West Brom over in England. Uh, team event leading scorer with two is Bonfils Caleb Bimenyamana. He plays forward so are South African Kaiser Chiefs. And if you don't think that I'm going to be treating myself to a delectable dessert later on for getting that name, I believe, correct on my first try, well, then you don't know, noob. Uh, we have a USA connection here as well. I've uh, got a guy who plays for Oakland Roots of the USL Championship. His name is Iracose uh, Donaciano, plays a winger. But he actually grew up in the States from uh, age nine on. He even made one appearance with Nashville, but then he got loaned out. Teams current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the calendar year. They had a 3-2 win over Namibia in this event for the win, plus they played a couple of friendlies. Worth noting, this could or should be a high-scoring affair. Neither team has kept a clean sheet on the calendar year.
Match number nine. And now for our Soul Wednesday match number nine, it is number four, Balatown versus number one, TNS, out of the Welsh Premier League. Uh, both teams have a match in hand on the two teams between them. This was a top two match when I first scouted it, but I just noticed that things have changed because of the unbalanced number of games played right now. A draw would move Balatown up to number three. A win would move them into first place, knocking TNS down to second. Since it is very early in the season and it's late enough in the show, the noobs tumbly is starting to get a, get a little rumbly. It's time to take a culture break. And by culture, we typically mean food. It could be art or architecture, folklore, any number of things. Yeah, food is the way the noob team likes to go. Now, this particular recipe is not from the town of Bala, but it is from that general part of Wales, Instead of just going to the north or northwest, we're going to go to an island off the northwest coast called Anglesey Island for a dish that sounds breakfasty by name, but is not. It's called Anglesey Eggs. It is going to be very, very savory, and this is just sort of a uh, one-pot type dish that can be used to treat everybody to a really quick and easy dinner, and yet it sounds so good. I'm not going to give you the ingredients list going in for this egg-based dish. I don't think we have an equivalent here in a America, I'm going to get right into the directions. You're probably going to preheat, depending on your oven, uh, probably to about 400 degrees for a Fahrenheit. It's 200 degrees Celsius if you're on the other side of the pan, your uh, pond. rather. You're going to grease a baking dish or tin with a little bit of butter. You're going to fry up some leeks. If you're not familiar with leeks, think onions, but even milder and a little bit sweeter. You're going to fry those in butter over medium heat until they are soft. It only takes about five minutes. While those are cooking, you don't really have to tend to them. This is when you're going to boil the potatoes in salted boiling water. Yeah, eggs and potatoes all mixed together for about 10 minutes until they're soft but still holding their shape. I recommend using a yellow potato. They're very, very good for mashing, which is what you're going to be doing. Drain them, add the remaining uh, bit of butter from your recipe and the milk. This is when you're going to mash them all up, and then you're going to season to taste now with salt and pepper, not later, interestingly. Add the cooked leeks now to the mashed potatoes and mix them well. Spoon the mashed potato mixture into that pre-prep baking dish or tin and arrange your quartered hard-boiled eggs. Yes, that's the kind you're doing on top of the mashed potatoes. Using that same pan that the leeks were cooked in, add the milk, flour, butter, beat it all together over a medium heat and uh, until the sauce gets pretty thick and very smooth and then simmer it about two minutes more. Now is when you're going to add the cheese. If you want to be truly traditional, try to get a hold of, I'm going to pronounce it carefully, cheese, C-A-E-R-P-H-I-L-L-Y. Uh, you can substitute a cheddar or any, that's about as sharp as I would go, or any number of mild cheeses, but this is the Northwest Welsh way to do it. So, salt with, uh, go ahead and... Uh, Add some more salt and pepper to taste at this point as well. Cook for another minute, doing a lot of stirring, and then pour the sauce over the mashed potato and eggs. Go ahead and mix your remaining care Philly cheese with the breadcrumbs. Sprinkle this over the mashed potatoes, eggs, and cheese sauce. Now it's ready to get baked. It'll take about 15 to 20 minutes where you've got it preheated until the cheese is melted and the dish is bubbling and golden brown. Do not let it cool. Serve this piping hot. It's great for brunch, lunch, or supper and is really good for uh, serving any number of people because it's a very easy to have this recipe when you got everything in the one dish. So for a little taste of Northwest Wales, enjoy.
And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Back to CONCACAF one more time for our main 10, but don't forget we've still got our three super cool bonus matches yet to come. Thursday, rounding out our soccer week and the main 10 with a match from St. Kitts and Nevis in the Caribbean. Yeah, they're Premier League. It is not ranked within CONCACAF. Only the professional and semi-professional leagues, uh, I believe, get enough international play to really earn a ranking. That's the reason why. But this is probably one of your stronger ones within the amateur ranks. They are in the last match of their championship round. They had their regular season. A bunch of teams qualified for this round. It's six clubs, in fact, playing a single round robin. The top two advance to the final. And the overall champions will get to play in the next Caribbean Club Shield. That is an international tournament that is a feeder to a feeder for the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Just know that it's very important. And you get a big shiny trophy, I'm sure. Or at least a ribbon. Uh, number three, Rams Village Superstars versus number B, Connery United is your match. They are tied on points at the table, goal differentials, and goals for and against. Wow. Uh, if the regular season is used as the tiebreaker, I couldn't see far enough, then it is uh, Rams Village Superstars that will be advancing. Taking a look at the table, St. Paul's United have eight points here in the championship round, and they will advance. And then uh, Connery and Village Superstars, they have six each. So, yeah, you can see where a draw leaves things very, very interesting. And, uh, again, St. Paul's guaranteed to get in the final no matter what happens. Interestingly, Old Road Jets in fourth place have five points. If these two teams draw, plus Old Road Jets get a win over number six, Newtown United, and by enough, it would mean that they advance. The likelihood of that is very slim, but that'll still be fun to keep track of, and I'm sure we'll be covering the final in a week or two. Technically, even number five, Kayon, at four points could advance, but that is even more unlikely still. They've got a negative goal differential. Uh, the two most recent times these two have played, uh, Village Superstars got a 1-1 draw and then a 2-3 road win. We'll talk about them first. They play out of the capital city of Basseterre. They have seven league titles. I believe the most recent was 2017-18. Last season, they finished just in fourth place. And by last season, I'm referring to 2020-21. Uh, COVID did a number on a lot of the Caribbean leagues. They finished this year's regular season in third place. Uh, looking at those stats, they had the number one offense by a lot, getting almost two and two-thirds goals per match. Defense was only average, yet that defense was so much better than everybody else that they still had the best goal differential by close to 50%. Team's current form, unbeaten in 15 straight matches. Wow, how are they not in first? OIC, three of the last four, were merely draws. All right, and now Connery United. Their crest is very interesting. It has a soccer ball, but something about the size of it compared to everything else and the way they have drawn uh, the light perspective on it, if you will, it makes it look like it's hard, like it would be plastic. It looks like a foosball. That's where I'm going. Anyway, they don't play in Basseterre proper, I don't believe, but they are in the same parish of St. Peter. They're based in or named for at least the Upper Connery neighborhood. 2020-21 season, they were swept in the final by St. Paul's United. So they were second place overall. I believe they've only ever won one regular season title. That was 2012-13, or overall league title, I should say. 
This year, they finished the regular season in just fifth place, so they didn't uh, enter on the hottest of forms, but they've gotten better and better as the season goes on. Pretty well balanced. They're more of a defensively oriented team. Top four in that regard, giving up less than a goal per match. Team's current form, they're unbeaten in their last seven, and they've gotten draws as well in just three of their last four. Bring forth the bonus matches! And the first is a first versus last place matchup that my daughter dramatically calls the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And we head to South America for the first time this episode for a match out of the Primera A division of Colombia, the top flight there where they are in their finalization stage. In most Latin American countries, they would call it the Clausura. Either way, it is the second of the two parts of their overall calendar year. The stage champions uh, from each, the Apertura and this, the finalization, get to go to the Copa Libertadores, which is South America's Champions League. Equally relevant on the other end of things, two teams are going to get to go, or are not going to get to, they don't want to, they will get relegated. But the relegation table is a multi-year table, and it's worth noting that the team we're going to talk about, while they're in last place now, they are in 18th out of the 20 overall. So they are close to the relegation, but not in it. They are halfway through the finalization stage in Colombia. Your matchup, number 20, last place, Envigado versus number B, Rio Negro. Aguilas. And by the way, the top eight teams are going to make the playoffs. Envigado currently trail two clubs by five points each. Meanwhile, uh, Rio Negro, they trail Independiente Medellin, one of the big powers in this country, by just a single point. But they've played two fewer games, so it really is advantage them, especially since they're traveling to the last place team on this particular match day. Uh, when they last played in the Apatura stage, it was uh, Rio uh, Negro winning 1-0 at their place. Series between these two have actually, it's actually gone more the way of Envigado. They're struggling just recently, though, but have a 15-19-10 record accrued over, oh, probably the last decade or so over Rio Negro. You can catch this one at 5 o'clock on Spanish streaming service VIX, should you choose. Envigado, that is a uh, also a city in the northwest central part of the country, uh, has about 115,000 people. It's in what is known as the Paisa region, which is very what they call genetically isolated, and it's very, very European. A lot of intermixing wasn't allowed there for a very long time. It's got the highest standard of living in the country as well. Very strong manufacturing centered there. And they also have, as far as the football goes, an incredibly strong academy. In fact, the club's nickname or one of them is the Quarry of Heroes, because everybody else there comes mining for them. The club was founded in 1989, and they were the first ever team promoted from the second division on up to the top flight. Uh, they also won the second division in 2007, obviously having been relegated before at some point. In the Apertura stage this year, they finished in 16th place. This stage, they are winless. Que lastima. Oh, it's hard to say what's the bigger bugaboo for them. They've got the worst defense going, or offense, I should say, uh, not even scoring a goal every other match on average. The defense is barely any better. It's a low, low-scoring league, and they're giving up almost one and a half per game. They've got the worst goal differential as well. 
Key players to look for. Number one, actually, by a lot in tackles per 90 minutes, getting almost three successfully, is uh, Giandre Cuervo. He is a 22-year-old right back. But the best player on the year has been Juan Zapata, their defensive midfielder. But, oh, no, Masoror. He's on loan with Atlas in Liga MX. Yeah, in Mexico's top flight. Team's current form, well, they just got a draw against number five, America de Calle, nil-nil, to snap a five-match losing streak. By golly, there's some of the uh, silver lining that we're looking for here. We want to hang our hat on a little bit of hope that maybe they can pull off an upset. They've got that going for them. And now Rio Negro, they are known as the Golden Eagles. Uh, their crest, I've mentioned it before, I like it because uh, it's got an eagle on it, but the way it is drawn and positioned for a change, it doesn't look like it is flying away with the football like it seems like most birds on crests do. Club was founded in 2008, and they have already had four different home cities, Rio Negro, obviously, the most recent. It's in the northwest central part of the country, about 150,000 people, and it's one of the wealthiest cities in the country. They are undefeated on the stage. In the Apertura, they won the regular season, but that does not qualify you for the Copa Libertadores. That berth went to Melanarios, who won the playoffs. So they are really itching to have that number one seed again and try to get that berth. Uh, they will do so on the backs of their defense more than likely if it happens, as they've only been giving up a goal every other match on average. The, the offense is better than average, but not great. Good enough that they have the number one overall goal differential, though. Key players to look for. Number one in league scoring on the season with 17 is Marco Perez. He's there. He was a central forward. Um, he played for Real Zaragoza earlyish in his career over in Spain. So European have fans have a chance to recognize him. Kind of a whatever happened to moment. Number three in successful dribbles per 90, the engine for their offense. That is Alex Castro, left winger. Um, he's really just finally getting going as a starter. He's been kind of, a, I think, a super sub for them up until just the last week or two. Their MVP on the year on the defensive side, probably uh, Jason Quinones. Uh, he is a classic, classic defender. No wingback action here. 86% tackle success rate. That's just violent. Loads of clearances as well. Team's current form. They've won two straight, and that followed two consecutive draws. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Make no mistake, it not only could be, it is the most meaningless match in the world. Two teams from right in the middle of their table, perfectly equidistant, more or less, from the glory of international births and the danger of relegation. Yeah, they're sitting in the middle, kind of Netflixing and chilling, maybe giving their best, maybe not. We go to Costa Rica Wednesday for this particular one. Their Primera División is the top flight, and they are in the Apertura or opening stage. This league has 12 clubs, and they're about a third of the way through the season. Your matchup, number seven, Punta Arenas versus number five, AD Municipal Liberia. Uh, right now, Municipal, they lead four teams, including Punta Arenas, by a pair of points. Punta Arenas, they are your home team. And if you're not familiar with the Spanish, the city name translates to Sand or Sandy Point. Uh, the city is kind of built on sort of a needle type of uh, sandy landmass jutting out into the Pacific. It was a major port, and it sort of still is. The overall municipality includes an area called Caldera, 
which was formerly a separate village, and that is where the newer one was built, I want to say in the 1980s. They are known as uh, Los Tiburones, the Sharks. They've got a weird peach-colored one on the crest. Now, another one of their nicknames says the Orange Team, but boy, it kind of looks more peachy to me. The stadium has an interesting nickname of its own. It's known as the Magic Cauldron. I'm not sure why magic, but the cauldron is because it is so hot here compared to the valley portion of the majority of the country. The club was founded in 2004. Uh... Really, it's much older, but uh, the province's previous team went down all the way into the second and then even the third division. Uh, so the ownership bought a different club, I believe from Santa Barbara, uh, bought their top flight license. And so that's how you can get back to the top flight more quickly. They got relegated again in 2014, but now they're back again. This year, the offense uh, is average or a bit above. The defense is a little bit below average and then some. Uh, their goal differential is zero. They've given as good as they've gotten, and so the meaningless match is right where they belong. Key player to look for, tied for third best in league scoring with four, is Andre Mora, who plays center back for them. Guess he must be getting some wing back action, but maybe that's also telling a tale if your best offensive player is on the back end of the field, typically. Teams crew inform, hey, they've got two straight wins, credit where it's due. And now your most meaningless fact, Gil Gonzalez Davila, who discovered this city originally, I want to say back in like the 1500s, is probably better known for having been the first Spaniard to discover the what is now the nation of Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah, meaningless, not meaningless. It's a fact. It's content, like the show. All right, uh, Municipal Liberia. They play out of the town of Liberia, which is in the northwest part of the country, about 50,000 people in change. It's a major tourism point, amongst other reasons, because it's a stopping point on the way to uh, a lot of the beaches there on the Pacific Coast side. Uh, we'll get into the other reason uh, that it's a tourist destination near the end here. They are known as uh, Los Coyotes, the Coyotes. Uh, one league title to their credit. That was in a spring stage in 2009. Uh, they won the Clausura Division II final last year, and that is how they were on the road to getting promoted up here. Uh, they spent a lot of their uh, career outside of or their tenure outside of Division I, to be honest. Uh, the offense is very, very good. They're getting over two goals per game, but they sacrifice defense in spades. They give as good as they get. They're tied for, uh, or not tied, they're in second to last place in terms of defense, also giving up two-plus goals per match. Key player to look for, tied for number three in league scoring with four, is Raul Vidal from Mexico center forward, previously played with Cruz Azul. Team's current form, they lost their first match of the season and then their most recent match, so they've got things bookended in that regard. And now your most meaningless fact, from 2007 to 2009, the club was named after the owner's zoo, which is called Africa Mia, which is a zoo of all African animals. So another reason this is a hot uh, tourist destination point regionally. And now we reach the true end of our podcast road, appropriately the 13th match. This is two sad sack bottom feeders facing off. We call the match of Disappointed! And the Herculean disappointment, so appropriate from Kevin Sorbo. We stay in Central America because it just wouldn't be worth traveling for these two 
awful egg-sucking teams. The Thursday match in Honduras from the Liga Nacional. They are in their Apertura stage. No relegation, I don't believe, out of this particular league. Lucky for these two. They're about a third of the way through the season. Time to correct their paths, but will they? Number nine, second to last place, CD Victoria versus number 10, CD Vida. Uh, Victoria currently lead Vida by one point series between them. Uh, Vida have actually had the better of it by a fair bit with a 15-10 and second and seven record the last many years. Nevertheless, we'll talk about the home team first, Victoria. Uh, let's see, it's they are in La Ciba. Yeah, I think I'm getting that right, which is named after the type of tree which can grow up to 240 feet tall. Not as disappointing as the football there. That sounds awesome. Uh, it's a city on the north central coast of about 200,000, fourth biggest one in the city. Uh, they were built historically on pineapples for their agriculture, or excuse me, bananas, but are now more known for their pineapples as well as being a tourist destination. They have two interesting nicknames, the Fierce Blue Crabs. All right, I love a good adjective thrown on. And the Milkers. I really hope it's the Blue Crabs or any other color crabs that they are not trying to milk. That could explain a lot of different things, why things are so bad there. Soccer-wise, maybe. Who knows? They've won one league title previously. That was all the way back, though, in 1994-95. And then the subsequent year, they actually got past the first two rounds of the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Good on them for that. Their most recent trophy, though, 2020-21, in the Clausura stage, they managed to win that, and that got them promoted back up from the second division. So there was relegation at the time. In the 2022-23 Clausura stage, the last completed stage, they were in last place, number 10. Uh, this year, they're actually just barely below average for their offense, defense, goal differential. It's really a wonder. They're trying extra hard to be this bad overall. They've got time to climb, and I think they will, truth be told. Team leading scorer, he's the only one with multiple goals so far on the year, though, is Alexi Bega. He is their midfielder or one of them. And this is a guy that's good enough that he's even made a couple of the national team appearances. Team's current form, 1-1-0 in their last two. Hey, things are looking up. 4-2 and two goal differential. And you've got the last place team coming to town. Maybe they can make it three matches in a row where they get results. Getting this one off of CD Vida. This is a team that has an affiliation with the Spanish third tier team, Malaga CF. They are also based in La Ceiba. I did not notice that it had an official name for the Derby, but it seems like it would be tree oriented. The team, they are known as the Coconuts. Interestingly, I did read about a short bit, a legend that says that uh, the wife of a director a long time back, whose first name was Vida, fell into a lake as the team was walking by, and she cried out in Spanish, uh, a lifesaver for Vida, which, you know, you would be referring to yourself in the third person when you're in the throes of thinking that you're drowning or something. And they say that was the genesis of the name. But in, in fact, the first sponsor was a brewery called Salva Vida. So that's almost certainly good got to be it. They have won two league titles, but it's been even longer, about 40 years since the last one. And then they got accused of match-fixing, throwing the title and finishing second to Olympia in 1985-86. And if somebody cursed them, well, it worked, because they have never recovered since then, footy-wise. Uh, they did make a handful of CONCACAF Champions Cup appearances, but all back in the 1970s and 80s. Uh, 2022-23 Clausura stage, they actually finished in seventh, just missing the playoffs. They've got the second-best offense going in the league, getting uh, over two goals per match, but they've got the worst defense by an avalanche, 
three goals per match. One of the worst I've seen from any top flight team in the world this calendar year. And therefore, they have tied for the worst goal differential as well. This is a team I don't expect to, I don't expect to climb. You gotta put up some sort of defensive front. They're just not. Key player to look for tied for second best in league scoring with four is Jesus Canales. He's a defender. Another one of these cases where you've got a, a typically defensive guy getting your offense. Eh, maybe not the best way to succeed. Uh, also tied with him, though, is an attacker named Gabriel Teos. Although I read some conflicting things or didn't quite understand, he might now be uh, with a club back home, might have gotten transferred to Racing de Cordoba. I know he has at least played for them somewhat recently, and they're a Division II club down there. Team's current form, they are two, uh, They suffered a 2-6 loss to number 1 Olympia. That snapped a 1-1-0 winning streak. So they haven't been playing their worst ball lately. Olympia's got to destroy a lot of teams. Nevertheless, these are your two most disappointed in teams, and we will not wish them good luck or good fortune, but instead shoo them away in our harsh traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Take them away. Hey, boo. Boo. I don't know who she is, but that is all she wrote for Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring Person Noob episode 152. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To uh, Donovan Pines for perhaps sponsoring our show, Intractable, Intractable Pines. I guess look for his podcast. They might find it on fine platforms everywhere. Most importantly, thank you to you for finding us, tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it and that you'll consider passing us along to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again in a few days, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. Hey.